0: Okay, we're not barely twenty-four hours into the whole vegetarian thing, and I haven't eaten any meat, but I've certainly come to the conclusion that just being vegetarian isn't isn't extreme enough for me. It's not it's not a big enough undertaking f- for me. I remember saying before I went on the all carnivore diet, I wanted to, to embrace a fad diet to kind of hijack my own machinery because I I am of the opinion that people like me, say, get a kick out of somewhat extreme things and somewhat out of the ordinary, abnormal, weird things, say. And I wanted to shake up my diet and I was thinking about doing the ketogenic diet, which is eating a predominantly fat-based diet. And that would have been fine, only I'd done that before. So to me, doing a... A ketogenic diet wasn't extreme enough. I wanted to push the envelope a little bit more and went ketogenic. Oh, sorry, went full carnivore, went meat only. This time around, I'm looking at being a, or being a vegetarian for the month, so I'm not eating meat for the month. Now, I haven't done that before, but when I think about it, when I think of what I'm giving up, meat doesn't play that big a role. So I think it would be much harder for me to give up gluten, for example, than it would meat. Because giving up gluten means I can't have a slice of toast whenever the fuck I feel like it. Or a bowl of cereal whenever the fuck I feel like it. Now pasta, I can't have either if I was to go gluten free. But I'm not a big pasta eater. Because the thing about toast and just bread and cereal is that how, how instant it is. And I'm a... I'm constantly doing stuff so I'm an on the go kind of person so it suits me to just oh, grab a quick bowl of cereal or grab a a slice of toast and you know eat it go so what I'm thinking of doing now is staying off the meat being vegetarian for the month but giving up gluten as well now not because I'm interested in the benefits of a gluten free diet or anything of the sort it's just that Going vegetarian isn't extreme enough. Now, I was thinking of going vegan for the month. But fuck that noise. That's too much. I recognise that that would be too much of a strain on me, I think, over the course of the month. To give up all animal products, to give up all dairy, to give up all meat products, to give up that much, that would be too far. It would be pushing the envelope too far especially at this particular moment in time where I'm up to my eyes in half a dozen different stresses that are work-related. Between COVID and Brexit and all the rest of it and lockdowns and fucking vaccine passports, there's just a lot up in the air in relation to getting my fucking business out of the fire or out of the deep freeze or whatever way you want to look at and back humming along. So I might do the vegan thing at a later date, but if I ever do do the whole vegan thing, even if it's only for a month, It would be during a period of my life where there's a hell of a lot more certainty or less uncertainty or whatever way you want to phrase it. So as I said, I'm only a day into the diet and it's already been more of a psychological thing than a physiological thing. Because, you know, whoop de doo I didn't have meat in any of my meals yesterday and I haven't had meat so far today. Now, I have had gluten. I had gluten yesterday and I had it today. Have I had it today? No, 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 I actually haven't had it today. So I had eggs for my breakfast and I had a salad for my lunch. And it's, what, 20 to 3 in the afternoon now. So, no, so far so good on day two. But it's, it's funny, though. It just goes to show the utility in doing these types of things. Because you never really know what way you're going to end up thinking about them. And, again, I hate to fucking repeat myself endlessly. The benefits of recording stuff, putting stuff on record and uploading them, it just makes you so much more accountable. Because we've all tried different diets before, but I, I have, fucking everyone has at some stage, or if we haven't tried certain diets, we've said, oh, we're going to cut back on the amount of this we eat or the amount of this we drink or this we smoke or this we do or whatever it is. We all commit to these different things. But when you're only really committing to them in your own head, you're not really committing to them in any meaningful sense. It's not until you actually make public your intentions that you hold yourself to any real kind of, any real kind of accountability. And another thing that I've mentioned a million and one times is this idea that if you have a want in you to do something, whether that something is uh, run a 5K, do a couch to 5K, or learn a new language, or play the guitar, or do fucking anything, it doesn't matter. A great way to, to inch yourself closer to having done that is to tell people. Is to tell people, first of all, that you have an interest in it. Secondly, that you've an interest in maybe kind of sort of doing that someday and incrementally creep closer and closer and closer to actually fucking doing it. Because when you tell people, when you say things out loud, whether it's to friends or even out loud to yourself or just even if you record it or write it down in a notebook. But if you actually, if you say, if you can say something publicly, you just increase the likelihood that you're going to commit to it. Because to a degree, you kind of have to commit to it. And there's something to that. And there's this thing, it's it's something that I, one of my influencers, a guy called Jordan Peterson, mentions fairly regularly. And it's this idea of, of hiding things in the fog. And it's essentially about why people don't outline their circumstances for success. People don't put in writing and make very clear to themselves... This is what I want to do, because by doing that, by setting the standard for success, what you're also doing in the same breath is you're setting the standard for failure. Nobody wants to define the circumstances for success, because by defining the circumstances for success, you're simultaneously defining the circumstance for failure. And nobody wants to highlight to the world how much they're failing. So if I say to myself, right, I'm going to, I, for, this, for the month of August, I'm going to define my circumstances for success. If by the end of this month, I haven't eaten any gluten and I haven't eaten any meat, that will be a success. And I can do that and I can put that out there and I can make this public and that's fine. But the reason people don't typically do that, or let's say one of the reasons people don't typically do that, they don't say to themselves definitively, this is what I'm going to do over the next four weeks. And they don't put an end date on it. The reason that we have a proclivity not to do that is because by doing that, we're defining our circumstances for failure. So if I do eat meat or gluten over the course of the next four weeks, I'll have failed. And nobody wants to be a failure nobody it's funny though it's not that you don't want to be a failure people don't have as much of a problem with being a failure as being perceived as a failure and it's funny the distinction that we make there it's more important to us and by us i mean me i'm I'm, as i often am i'm trying to describe the human experience so it's not it's not me per se but it's not my audience specifically that i'm addressing because my audience is so broad and diverse and to a degree, non existent. I'm like not looking at you. I don't know who the fuck you are for the most part. I know that there are similarities between you and me. Odds are you're quite an open person because if somebody, if you weren't an open person, you wouldn't be listening to someone like me jump from fucking veganism to vegetarianism to hiding things in the fog and defining the circumstances for success and all the other million and one different things that I managed to squeeze into a 15 minute episode. But isn't it mad to think that it's more important to us not to be perceived as a failure than it is to be a failure? It's funny that, isn't it? That we as humans, we don't mind being failures. We can be absolute fucking useless cunts. Provided nobody fucking considers us to be absolute useless cunts. It's a funny quirk of our psychology. But there's a weirdness to that because if you're a failure and nobody perceives you to be a failure, you might think that you're getting away with it, but you don't get away with anything. You knowing you're a failure, failure, whether you acknowledge it or not, you might only subconsciously think that you're a failure. And that's enough to fucking eat you alive from the inside out. And that's enough to make you contemptuous of people who do well. Like it's funny, especially with creative people and especially in Ireland, We seem to need to leave Ireland and become successful, typically in the UK or the States. And once we've earned our success somewhere else, we can then return to Ireland and be liked, basically. And not have as much begrudgery heaped upon us as somebody who tries to stay here and succeed as a creative person. And I think a big component part of that, at least, if not the, the most important part of that, is if you stay in Ireland and be a creative person and succeed, that means that anybody else who stays in Ireland and succeeds... Sorry, that means that anybody else in Ireland can stay in Ireland and succeed as a creative person. And that shines an unflattering light On all the creative people in Ireland who haven't broken through and made a success or even tried to make a success of them. Because it's okay to like somebody who moved to America, became super successful and came back to Ireland. Because oh yeah, they went off to the States and they got successful over there, or they went to the UK and they became successful and came over over here. Or sorry, and came back here. But I, I didn't get the chance to go to the UK and I didn't get the chance to go to the States. If I had gone to the UK or the States, I could have been as successful as this person. But I didn't have that opportunity. So fair play to them for being able to go away and come back successful. And I think that's why, that's the root of it. I think that's why people are far more begrudging of people who stay in Ireland because it reflects poorly on them. If they're a creative person who's blaming not being able to maybe emigrate to make a success of themselves, if, that's, if they're blaming their lack of access to living in a foreign country, whether they've got kids or whether they've got financial commitments or whatever it is, they use that as an excuse for not living up to their own expectations of themselves. So whenever they see somebody who has stayed in Ireland. And has made a success of themselves. It highlights the bullshit that they've been telling themselves to a degree. And it's mad. Like, the, just that. Like, the, the bullshit that you tell yourself. It's a funny downside to being articulate. So if you're a, if you're a relatively articulate person. Which is something that I w- at least would argue I am. You could be forgiven for thinking this. There's no downside to that. Like, how could there be a downside to being articulate? How can there be a downside to being persuasive? How can there be a downside to you know thinking logically or more logically or more rationally? And the downside is in bullshitting yourself. Because if you can if you're very articulate and very blinded to something. So I think you see this with you see this with addictions. So most of us are addicted to our smartphones. And if not our smartphones, we're addicted to our televisions or our radios. But if we're ever called an addict in relation to that, you're you will articulately proclaim, I'm not I'm not addicted to this. And you'll you'll start making excuses for yourself and you'll start putting together an argument for why you're not an addict, which, and there's an irony to this, because the more you defend yourself, the more you sound like an addict. But it's just a a base example of how being more articulate isn't always an advantage, because if you're using that skill, for want of a better term, if you're using the skill of articulation to bullshit yourself, to make excuses for yourself, that's obviously counterproductive, and I think that a lot of people in Ireland, myself included, are black belts in bullshitting ourselves and lying to ourselves in a very articulate manner, in a very convincing manner, in a very in a very persuasive manner. And I suppose it's another advantage of of having this pat of having this platform and of doing so many uploads. That I get a chance to uh, call myself out on some of my own bullshit. And the break that I'm going to take from uploading the daily episodes now when I reach the end of this season. I think that there'll be probably a lot of reflection. I'll probably listen back to a lot of what I've done, to be honest. And I might redo old episodes. Episodes that I reckon that I could have maybe... That my thinking has evolved on. Like, there could be a good pool of content there in how my views on certain things have changed. Some things have changed massively. Like, my my view on spirituality has changed massively. My view on psychedelics have changed massively. My view on diet and nutrition has changed somewhat. My views on religion generally has changed massively. And I suppose now that I've essentially committed to ending doing five a day, I have to start looking at what I am going to do, how that's going to be different than what I have been doing, and how I'm going to further accelerate my own learning and my own progression through life. On that note, I'll chat you soon.